Part Two, Chapter Eleven of Old Pioneers by Willa Cat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Emil came home at about half past seven o'clock that evening. Old Ivar met him at the windmill and took his horse, and the young men went directly into the house. He called to his sister, and she answered from her bedroom, behind the sitting-room, saying that she was lying down. Emil went to her door. "'Can I see you for a minute?' he asked. "'I want to talk to you about something before Carl comes.' Alexandra rose quickly and came to the door. "'Where is Carl?' Lou and Oscar met us and said they wanted to talk to him, so he rode over to Oscar's with them. "'Are you coming out?' Emil asked impatiently. "'Yes, sit down. I'll be dressed in a moment.' Alexandra closed her door, and Emil sank down on the old slat lounge and sat with his head in his hands. When his sister came out, he looked up, not knowing whether the interval had been short or long, and he was surprised to see that the room had grown quite dark. That was just as well. It would be easier to talk if he were not under the gaze of those clear, deliberate eyes that saw so far in some directions and were so blind in others. Alexandra, too, was glad of the dusk. Her face was swollen from crying. Emil started up and then sat down again. Alexandra, he said slowly in his deep young baritone, I don't want to go away to law school this fall. Let me put it off another year. I want to take a year off and look around. It's awfully easy to rush into a profession you don't really like and awfully hard to get out of it. Lindstrom and I have been talking about that. Very well, Emil. Only don't go off looking for land. She came up and put her hand on his shoulder. I've been wishing you could stay with me this winter. That's just what I don't want to do, Alexandra. I'm restless. I want to go to a new place. I want to go down to the city of Mexico to join one of the university fellows who's at the head of an electrical plant. He wrote me. He could give me a little job, enough to pay my way, and I could look around and see what I want to do. I want to go as soon as harvest is over. I guess Lou and Oscar will be sore about it. I suppose they will. Alexandra sat down on the lounge beside him. They are very angry with me, Emil. We have had a quarrel. They will not come here again. Emil scarcely heard what she was saying. He did not notice the sadness of her tone. He was thinking about the reckless life he meant to live in Mexico. "'What about you?' he said absently. "'About Carl Lindstrom. They are afraid I am going to marry him, and that some of my property will get away from them.' Emil shrugged his shoulders. "'What nonsense!' he murmured. "'Just like them.' Alexandra drew back. "'Why nonsense, Emil?' Why, you've never thought of such a thing, have you? They always have to have something to fuss about. Emil, said his sister slowly, you ought not to take things for granted. Do you agree with them that I have no right to change my way of living? Emil looked at the outline of his sister's head in the dim light. They were sitting close together, and he somehow felt that she could hear his thoughts. He was silent for a moment and then said in an embarrassed tone, Why, no, certainly not. You ought to do whatever you want to. I'll always back you. 
but it would seem a little bit ridiculous to you if i married carl emile fidgeted the issue seemed to him too far-fetched to warrant discussion why no i should be surprised if you wanted to i can't see exactly why but that's none of my business you ought to do as you please certainly you ought not to pay any attention to what the boys say alexandra sighed i had hoped you might understand a little why i do want to but i suppose that's too much to expect i've had a pretty lonely life emile besides marie carl is the only friend i have ever had emile was awake now a name in her last sentence roused him he put out his hand and took his sister's awkwardly you ought to do just as you wish and i think carl's a fine fellow he and i would always get on i don't believe any of the things the boys say about him honest i don't they are suspicious of him because he's intelligent you know their way they've been sore at me ever since you let me go away to college they're always trying to catch me up if i were you i wouldn't pay any attention to them there's nothing to get upset about carl's a sensible fellow he won't mind them i don't know if they talk to him the way they did to me i think he'll go away emile grew more and more uneasy think so well marie said it would serve us all right if you walked off with him did she bless her little heart she would alexandra's voice broke emile began unlacing his leggings why don't you talk to her about it there's carl i hear his horse i guess i'll go upstairs and get my boots off no i don't want any supper we had supper at five o'clock at the fair emile was glad to escape and get to his own room he was a little ashamed for his sister though he had tried not to show it he felt that there was something indecorous in her proposal and she did seem to him somewhat ridiculous there was trouble enough in the world he reflected as he threw himself upon his bed without people who were forty years old imagining they wanted to get married in the darkness and silence emile was not likely to think long about alexandra every image slipped away but one he had seen marie in the crowd that afternoon she sold candy at the fair why had she ever run away with frank shabata and how could she go on laughing and working and taking an interest in things why did she like so many people and why had she seemed pleased when all the french and bohemian boys and the priest himself crowded round her candy stand why did she care about anyone but him why could he never never find the thing he looked for in her playful affectionate eyes then he fell to imagining that he looked once more and found it there and what it would be like if she loved him she who as alexandra said could give her whole heart in that dream he could lie for hours as if in a trance his spirit went out of his body and crossed the fields to marie shabata at the university dances the girls had often looked wonderingly at the tall young swede with a fine head leaning against the wall and frowning his arms folded his eyes fixed on the ceiling or the floor all the girls were a little afraid of him he was distinguished-looking and not the jollying kind they felt that he was too intense and preoccupied there was something queer about him 
Emil's fraternity rather prided itself upon its dances, and sometimes he did his duty and danced every dance. But whether he was on the floor or brooding in a corner, he was always thinking about Marie Chabata. For two years the storm had been gathering in him. End of Part 2, Chapter 11